0: Okay. Okay, let's find a seat. Let's find a seat. I want to introduce you to three more friends you may not know. We're with us today Michael and Yumi Creed. Michael, where are you and Yumi? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are, you? are you in the room? No. Okay. Well, hold your hands up. That's Michael on the left and Yumi. And Yumi came to Christ in this city with us. How many years ago? Ten? It's a bit 13 years ago, bless the Lord. And they serve Jesus in Japan planting churches, and they're gonna be in the four-year. I want you to say hello to them. And we have a lot of cute babies, but theirs may be the cutest. That's Mr. Eugene. Where is he with you? Oh, he's over there, probably taking a nap. But well, let's stretch your hand out. Let's pray for them. Father, we love Michael and Yumi Creed and that little one, Eugene. Father, surround them with your grace. We pray for the ministry of angels. We pray their life this year and next would powerfully impact people in Japan. Protect them. Give revelation. And Father, use them as seeds for the gospel. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Make sure you say hello to them. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. And Father, as we study your word today, we just need extra grace. Your spirit is the teacher, the one that really changes us forever. So give us grace in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, how many of you ever have ever been sick in your life? Let's see your hand. Anybody ever been sick? Okay, well, today's topic's most unusual, but it's how to pray for yourself when you are sick, and I want you to pour into this passage, I want you to read it, reread it. I want you to memorize it because the truth of Scripture can do wonders in your life. And so, uh, let me tell you a quick story. This is Thomas Jefferson. Some of you went to high school with him. <laughs> he decided to buy a little farm because there was another guy named Napoleon. Bonaparte who was selling property this was 1803 do you know where this story is going and so Napoleon wanted to sell this little farm because he loved to conquer and he was going to conquer much of Europe and he needed money for that so he didn't need this property and he needed money So he thought maybe this young country, America, might buy this. And Thomas Jefferson pretty much did it on his own. Without consulting Congress, he said, give me a price, we'll make the deal. And what is the name of the little farm that Jefferson bought? Remember, the answer is always on the screen. This is a third grade level. I can't go any lower than this. This is the Louisiana Purchase. And Jefferson, under the table bought 530 million acres for the exorbitant price of $15 million. Oh, that was so expensive. It turned out to be three cents an acre. So if you could go home this afternoon and scrounge up Thirty dollars, you could buy a thousand acres. Not a bad deal. Be about thirty thousand today. It's an incredible deal. So he called his assistant in Washington, a Virginian in his office, and said, "Tell you what, I just did. I want you to lead a team of men, and I want you to explore our little farm. And you need an assistant. And Meriwether Lewis." Chose a Kentucky boy, say Yay Kentucky. "Yay, Kentucky!" Kentucky boy by the name of William Clark. And so they handpicked a team, and they picked a bunch of people from Kentucky. That's the truth. So that is their route. And Jefferson said, "We're a new country. We've been through a war. We need commerce. We need uh, our economy needs uh, a boost." And so therefore. I want you to find a trade route. I want you to find the quickest way to go to the Pacific. Hopefully by water. So I want you to explore these these rivers and hopes there is one because we don't know, no one knows that there's a river that'll take us all the way to the Pacific. So they set out In August of 1803, from their base camp in St. Louis, 45 brave men, and they were gone just a weekend or two. Can you imagine telling your girlfriend, I'll be back in two weeks, honey. I'm just gonna go around the corner and I'll be back. They were gone for two and a half years. And they traveled 8,000 dangerous miles. The amazing thing, they only lost one man of the 45, and that's from an appendix rupturing early on in the trip. But it was dangerous. There was no guarantee any of them would come back. Here's the big problem. Once they could see the Rocky Mountains, They had no idea how we we're going to get through it. Is it even possible to get through the Rockies? Now I want you to look at that artist rendering. Do you see the lone female in that group? What's her name? Betty Lou. She was from Nicholasville. Uh, it was Sacagawea. And a Sacagawea, that's another rendering of her, had been kidnapped at age 12 by another tribe, I think the Blackfeet, and sold as a slave to another tribe, and a French explorer by the name of Charbonneau won her in a poker game. Isn't that a delightful way to start your marriage? And so on this trip, she's a 14-year-old bride with a one-year-old baby. And Sacagawea actually became the most important person on the trip. She saved them time after time because she spoke three or four languages. She knew about food. She knew about hunting. She knew about trails. This 14-year-old girl is an American hero. They got to the base of the Rockies. Big problem on a Tuesday. A war party of about 100 Braves show up riding mounts and our guys are walking on foot. And the party thinks this might be our last day. And the war party's leader came up to them and recognized Sacagawea as his long lost sister it was quite a family reunion so she was from the Shoshone tribe and the Shoshone tribe who was based in Idaho said instead of killing you we will help you we will furnish you horses We will keep you from starving because they were at the point of starvation. We will outfit everything that you need all because of our little sister and then we will guide you through the mountains so you can get to the coast. Now, do you see this valley? It looks like a valley. It's not really a valley. This is called Limhigh Pass. The Shoshone said, this is how you cross the mountains. Elevation of 7,200 feet. It is at the very point of the continental divide. Do you know what that is? It's where the mountains are like this. And all the rain that follows on this side goes to the Pacific And all the rain that goes three feet away goes to the gulf. What I want to talk to you today is about mountains that you have problems with. You have problems with mountains and we're going to show you how to overcome them. Now, there's many kinds of prayer. Paul talked about with all prayer, and then he lists a bunch of them. I want to list a number of prayers that you may not realize because prayer is just not a one-trick pony. And to learn how to use all of them, this is just some of them. The first is a prayer of agreement. Very powerful force. I'm not going to explain them. Next is prayers of supplication. Everyone say supplication. It's supplies, it's things that you need. And God wants you to talk to him about things that you need. Next, prayers of thanksgiving. Are you grateful today, yes or no? Have you told him you're grateful? About once a week, you ought to take an hour and list all the things that you're grateful for. It will bring you to tears. D, prayers of worship. Father, I adore you, I honor you, I love you with all of my heart. That's prayers of worship and then prayers of faith. Next, prayers of consecration. I suggest you do this every single day. I did it this morning, I'll do it tomorrow. Lord, today I offer myself to you for your glory, for your honor. I offer myself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, Lord Jesus. That's the greatest way to start your day. Next, prayers of intercession. Intercession is praying for others. And the greatest intercessor of all is the Lord Jesus Christ, who today, I don't understand it, he is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. How could you fail? With Jesus praying for you. That you would succeed. And then Paul wrote lengthily about praying in the spirit. Which is a devotional form of praying in tongues. I do that every single day for 35 years. An average of 15 to 20 minutes. It strengthens me on the inside. It's a huge, huge blessing. But... The most underutilized form of prayer is what I call prayer of declaration. Everyone say declaration. What do you mean by that, Steve? Well, I'll tell you. Declaration is when you speak the will of God to come to earth as it is in heaven. You declare. That is how God created The light, let there be light. Let there be oceans and waters. Boom. Let the heavens be created. Let the firmament be created. Boom. He spoke the world into existence. That's a prayer of declaration. Now let's look at Mark chapter 11. And as we do that, this is our Text, I just want to give you a warning. Learn to get your theology from the scriptures. Don't get your theology from any pastor, Bible teacher, even though that can really be helpful. Learn to get your belief about God from the word of God because every pastor, every Bible teacher is off a little bit. Don't get it from your grandmother, even though she makes good biscuits and gravy. And don't get it from yourself. Sometimes people, after a teaching, will say, well, let me tell you what I think. Well, that may not be so important. It's what the scriptures say rather than what you and I think. Okay, so you got your, got your Bible open? Chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus entered Jerusalem, came to the temple, and after looking at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve since it was late. Verse 12, all the next day when they left Bethany, he became hungry, seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf. He went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to that fig tree, He found nothing but leaves, for it wasn't even the season for figs. He said a puzzling thing. May no one ever, ever, ever eat fruit from you again. And the next phrase is important. Tells you why he did it. For his disciples were listening. I skip over to verse 20, which is the next morning. This is Holy Week. As they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the what? Roots up. You didn't see it die immediately, but the next day it was evident. Verse 21, being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, wow, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And here's Jesus' explanation. Have faith in God. Say it with me, please. Have. One more time. Have faith in God. A little louder. Have faith in God. Next to the Holy Spirit in the scriptures, your greatest asset is your faith. Satan tries to kill it. God wants to grow it. For six months, as I meditated on this, I went to sleep every night saying this simple phrase. Steve, have faith in God. Steve, remember, have faith in God. Steve, don't look at your circumstances. Steve, have faith in God. Look at the next verse, 23. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this what? This mountain, be taken up, cast into the sea. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen. It shall be granted to him. Verse 24 is the clincher. Therefore, based on what happened above, therefore I say to you, all things or some things? Which one? A few things on Mondays, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them. Which tense is that? Past tense, you already have received them and they will be granted to you. Now notice what Jesus did. He spoke to this tree. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. His disciples were listening. This is not in your notes. Let me give you three reasons why I believe he did this. You want to write them down. Why did he curse the fig tree? First reason, he was demonstrating his authority. This was an object lesson. Second reason, he was teaching faith to his men. Third reason, he was pointing to the fruitlessness of Israel. Which sometimes is pictured as the fig tree. Point number three. The Lord Jesus and the disciples ministered with this word authority. And we should too. Mark one twenty one said every time he taught, he taught as one having authority, but not like the scribes and the Pharisees. Mark 1, 25. Now, I spent a, a good amount of time thinking about how I prayed and ministered to people. Then I went through all four Gospels and looked at every instance that Jesus ministered to people and helped people. And the way I did it, And the way he did it was very different. And I went, maybe I need to change the way I minister to people. Here's a demon-possessed man. He didn't put up with it for a minute. He just said, he didn't speak to the man. He spoke to the spirit. He said, shut up and come out of him. Mark chapter 1, leper comes to him saying, I know you can heal me. He didn't talk to the father about the healing. He just said, be cleansed. Next chapter, chapter 2, verse 11. Here's a man that's been lame a long time. He's laying by a pool in Jerusalem, hoping one day a miracle will happen. And he looks at this man and he says, very simply, get up, pick up your bed, and I want you to go home. Short, strong, full of faith. Next chapter, chapter 3, verse 5. Here's a man with a withered arm. He cannot extend his arm. He looks at him and he just says, Stretch out your hand. Boom. Sea of Galilee. Next chapter. Storm comes up, not a normal storm, a storm driven by demonic powers designed to kill the twelve and him too. He's asleep in the boat. And when the disciples wake him up, he's frustrated that they didn't deal with it. He looks, wipes the spray out of his face, and like you say to a dog that just woke you up, you shut up, be still. And the storm went, and the disciples went, oh my, oh my, who is in the boat? Simon Peter, a woman has died. He says, Tabitha, get up. Three words. You see, Paul sees a young man that's been crippled a long, long time. He sees faith in this young man's eyes. He says simply, stand up on your feet. You see a pattern. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you and I have been given authority. Now, what's the definition of of authority? Let me give it to you. It's delegated power. Everyone say it, please. It is delegated power, which means you innately don't have the power. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You don't have any of this stuff. But someone has given you the power. You see this hat? What does that hat mean? It's a symbol of Authority. If a highway patrolman or a policeman in our city tells you to stop, what should you do? Argue with him? Should you call him names? Should you tell him he doesn't know what he's talking about? Should you turn your back and reach into the car? I suggest not. If a highway patrolman tells you to stop your car, get out of your car, stay in your car, show your hands, what you are to do is what he or she asks you to do. What does this picture mean? Can anybody tell me? It means get your wallet out. That's what that means. You've just been invited to the policeman's ball. That's what that means. And if you think you don't have to stop, I've seen highway patrolmen in the street waving people over. Another guy caught him and he's waving you over five, six cars in a row. And if you say, well, I don't have time to stop. I think you do have time to stop because you might as well pull over. I've had a policeman point at me and say, that means to pull over. I've heard of some people, especially young men, who think, well, I can drive a car really fast. I have a Honda Civic. I'll outrun them. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be great. That's so smart. No, you cannot hide. Uh, Do you know what the, the line would be in this picture? Look at it. I told you, knucklehead, not to run out on the football field. What do you not understand about that? Boom! Now, this is my friend Bubba. (laughs) Bubba gets pulled over for speeding or improper tag or no insurance or driving too much, whatever. And Bubba weighs 350 pounds angry pounds and he's got a surly bad attitude he looks like he's got a bad attitude and if he gets pulled over by this sweet woman who has a uniform and she may say you may weigh 350 pounds and I weigh a third of you I weigh 110 but you will do what I ask you to do Mr. Bubba Because if you don't do what I ask you to do, I have the entire state backing me up. And in about six minutes, I can get on my radio and we will have people that will help you understand and this will be very unpleasant for you. You know what that is? That's called what? That's called a jail or called authority. The issue in the spiritual realm, because there is a physical realm And there is an invisible realm. There is a heavenly realm. And there is a realm commanded by darkness. And Jesus is trying to tell us we have authority over darkness. But if you're like the typical church person, the typical Christian, and you don't know this, and you've read it, you never thought about it, you don't realize you have authority, and you don't use the authority you've been given you will be taken advantage of. Because everybody in this room and everybody on planet Earth, we have enemies, invisible enemies, who hate us and hate your family. And hate everything about you. This is a war zone we live in. Jesus said this Say it with me, please. I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, this is not bugs and reptiles. These are invisible creatures that sting, choke, cripple, kill, and bite. And every one of us in this room have been bitten and poisoned. Which means the youngest Christian does not have to take orders from darkness because Jesus has given us authority. Instead, we've been told to give orders to darkness. Someone say amen. Amen. Say, that's great preaching, Steve. Man, this is awesome. The principle is what you tolerate in life is yours. You and I are expected by our King to understand authority and to exercise the authority that He has given us. The things that our Savior Was frustrated about with his men, his 70, his 12. Do you know what it was? That they didn't practice and understand authority. At this storm, he turned to them and said, Why? Can you tell me why you've been so afraid? Why are you so timid? Why are you so passive? Why is it that you are exhibiting How much faith? No faith. And then he said, five chapters later, frustrated with his boys. He loved them, but he was frustrated with his boys. He said, how long can you tell me we have to keep doing this? It's been three years. Are you not learning anything? Oh, faithless and unbelieving generation what in the world would he say to us now here's a disclaimer it's not in your notes if jesus is not your lord and you have hidden sin you are in disobedience jesus is not on your throne and you're on your throne or some dark stuff is on your throne calling your shots and jesus is lord in name only none of this is going to work for you Because these dark spirits know if you really believe or not. It's like these seven brothers who thought they'd open a little shop. Uh, They probably had an Amazon website saying, we'll cast out a demon for money for you. And they walked into this guy who was big and crazy. and, And they said, the demon spoke to them. He said, we know who Paul is and we know who Jesus is, but who do you think you are? When the Lord Jesus is talking about mountains, he is not talking about dirt. What's he talking about? Demonic powers who are just as real in Lexington as they were in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, who are arrayed against you Just like mountain ranges, they separate, they impede progress, they restrict you. You can't do what you want to do. You can't serve Jesus the way you want to serve Him because there's just something blocking you. You feel limited. These things can stop a church, a mission agency cold in your tracks, like a mountain range, they can box you in where you have no options and can even shorten your life and take your help. So, here's my suggestion. Don't go around next week talking about your mountains. Well, we're just so broke, and we're in debt, and we can't manage our check, and we're bouncing checks, and we just never have money, and God hates us. And you just talk on and on and on about your mountains, and they get higher and higher. Or my husband is just so lazy, he doesn't talk to me, he doesn't love me, he doesn't love God, he doesn't care about the scripture, and you just go on and on and on about what your husband is not. Does it help? No. I bet some of the attitude bleeds over. Ladies, do you ever roll your eyes? Because once it comes out of your mouth, you're creating a brand new testimony, a brand new reality. Because Jesus said, it's never what goes into your mouth that makes you clean or dirty. It's what comes out. It's either faith or faith. Un-belief. say this verse please whoever guards his keeps his life holy spirit when i'm about to say ugly negative demon affirming things about my life or others touch me tell me no No one one in this room has ever said, well, I'm just tired. Look at your neighbor and see if they would say that. I'm just tired. Six o'clock, I'm tired. Four o'clock, I'm tired. I'm tired at lunch. I'm tired before lunch. I'm tired at eight. I'm tired all the time. If you keep saying that, you're going to welcome something dark into your life. Well, I'm just sick every fall. I get these sinus infections. It just happens all the time. I just get these sinus infections. It just happens all the time. You know, my daddy had arthritis, I guess. but The doctors, by the way, you know, I love doctors and medicine and chiropractors and surgeons, but they're always going to tell you the worst. Well, you know... You played football, and by the time you're 40, you're going to be crippled with arthritis. You know that shoulder is totally shot. You know that, don't you? No, I didn't know it. It doesn't even hurt. Well, I'm telling you, it's shot now. It's just shot, shot, shot. I just can't stand working at this factory. I can't stand it if you say it you won't be able to you need to say jesus thank you for the job i have i'll be faithful to hear i'm grateful for everybody here i'm your missionary your pastor to this company bless the lord well i never can learn a thing i can't remember names no one you never said that i just can't do math i can't do calculus i I can't slow down my car just can't do it I can't quit this. I can't quit that. I just have to eat every night at 10 o'clock. I just have to do it. (laughs) You know, I can't stand Thelma. I just can't stand Thelma. Why? I don't know. I just can't stand her. (laughs) Just can't stand Thelma. If you ever say you can't stand something or someone, you won't be able to. Because the invisible realm is more real than the physical realm. Did you know that? Jesus said this. Whatever say it with me, please. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in the heavenly realm. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed here. How does that happen? So what you refuse? Nope. Not having cancer in my family. Yeah, my grandmother died of breast cancer. My mother died from it, but not me. It stops here. I'm not taking that stuff. I'm not taking leukemia. I'm not signing up for it. I I am refusing dementia. I will never have dementia. I will not have an arthritic hip. Because whatever you permit will be permitted. And whatever you say, nope. No. My children all love God because I pray and I agree. I'm never going to say my kids hate God. I'm never going to say that. My children love God. You should say that because Two things come out of your mouth every day. Every time you talk, faith comes out of your mouth or unbelief comes out of your mouth. That's how it is released. That's how your world is created. Jesus said the word say how many times? Four times in three verses. Whoever says to this dark mountain, And believes what he says, knowing that my words have impact. There's creative power or destructive power in my words. This Gentile, this Roman came to Jesus. He needed his servant healed. And Jesus said, I'll come. And this guy understood authority. And Jesus was stunned by a guy who shouldn't know any of this, and he understood it better than his men. He just said, You don't have to come to my house. I understand authority. I say to this one, Go, and this one, Come, and they do it. And I know who you are. Just say the word. Say it with me, please. Just say the word. One more time. Just say the word. And my servant will be made whole. You see, heaven will back up your words. If you think you're dumb, if you think you can't learn, if you think you're not smart, and you go around talking it, you will be that. If you say you have the mind of Christ, if you say I can do all things through Christ, you will be able to do everything He wants you to do. But also, Unclean spirits will back up your words. My wife is unattentive. My wife doesn't care. My wife is cold. Well, you just welcomed unclean spirits into your marriage. And you can't afford to have them there. So, here's what we do we take authority. Everyone say that. We take authority. And we speak to those mountains. We speak to those mountains. Now notice the words, notice, notice, notice. Matthew 10, verse 1. He gave them authority over what? Who are your enemies? It's not people. Those things that dirty you on the inside. Those things that ruin your thinking. Those things that demotivate you. Those things that tempt you to not honoring Jesus are unclean spirits. And they mess with all of us. They just do. So here's what he tells us to do. Command them. But you got to say it and mean it. They are so smart, they know if you mean it. Like this. Fear, be gone in Jesus' name. All these things are invaders from the outside trying to get inside, mess with you. They want you to think it's you, it is not you. God has not ever given us a spirit of fear. You've had an injury, all of us have had injuries. Jesus can help you with your injury. Yeah, doctors can help you. Put your hand on that swollen knee. Swelling, go down in Jesus' name. Be healed and go about your business. Sickness, leave my baby now. In the name of Jesus. You ever had a back injury? I've had them. I've been in the bed for weeks. I've had doctors tell me, well, we got to cut on you. Nothing they can do. And I'm grateful for chiropractors. They'll help you. But I tell you what, to put your hand on your back and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. What can you afford least to lose? Lust is a spirit. Get out of this room. Jesus' name, shut your mouth. I am not that and I will not participate. Leave in Jesus' name. So, don't talk about your mountains. Talk to your girlfriend for 30 minutes about how horrible you are and everything's going. Don't do that. You need help, get some help. But don't go on and on talking about your mountains. Don't accept. If Jesus doesn't want you to have it, don't accept it. Tell the dark UPS driver, uh, wrong house. This may strike you funny. Ha, ha, ha. I suggest don't even pray about your mountains. And most of us spend a lot of time praying about our mountains. now, Follow the words of Christ. What did he say to do? Pray about our mountains? No, he said, Speak to them. Command them to leave. The quicker you take action against them, you got to think military. In a conflict, worship team, would you guys come out? In a conflict, military always wants to take the high ground. And when they take the high ground, like Gettysburg, Culp's Hill, they want to reinforce it quickly. It's easier to throw stuff off quickly and waiting and waiting and waiting and letting you reinforce it and the enemy reinforce it, then it takes a lot of faith to get rid of it. And this is true. God's not going to do for you what he told you to do for yourself. I say to you, Jesus said, who ever says the word you is eight times, meaning I'm responsible. Jesus wants me to learn. Jesus wants me to be an overcomer, not a victim. Now the last part is the faith part. Notice verse 22, he starts with faith. Have faith in God, have faith in God. Then he It's like a sandwich. Then he comes back. Whoever says to this mountain. Be taken up. Cast into the sea. Believes what he says. Does not doubt in his heart it shall be done. Therefore I say to you. All things which you pray and ask. Believe. That you have received. So when I pray. I believe it's done. All things which you pray and ask. Believe that you have received it. So, I suggest when we pray for you, and you pray for yourself, and you pray for your child, don't say things like, Well, I will be healed. I have friends tell me, I will be healed one day. Jesus will heal me. I go, We just prayed that. You just threw that prayer out. Don't say you will be healed, say you are healed. And I'm not saying don't take medicine. I'm not saying don't go to doctors. But I'm saying use your faith with your medicine. Use your faith with the doctor. It'll help the medicine. It'll help the doctor. But use your authority. And then once you prayed. Act like it's done. I mean by that. Just go on about your business. Go to work. Go on about your business. Forget it. You prayed for your kids, leave in the Lord's hand. You go on and do what you should do. Say things like this Man, I'm feeling better. Say it with me, please. I'm feeling better. Say this I'm getting stronger. You know, some of us have had lung issues. In Jesus' name, I'm healed, and my lungs are clearing up every single day. My liver is being healed by Jesus' name. I am healed in Jesus' name. My shoulder is healed in Jesus' name. Say, I am healed in Jesus' name, if it takes maybe ten times a day to say it. Now, here, here, here's, here's the clincher. Are you ready? People say, well, how long do I do this? <laughs> how do you answer that? As long as it takes to you get it back. I had something that was absolutely killing me for two years. It really messed with me. And I just held on. Jesus, I'm healed. Thank you. In Jesus' name, I'm getting better. Sometimes 10 times a day when it was really bad, I just kept going on. One day, two days later, it was completely gone. Is it worth believing for two years? I think so. I think so. Now, I want to close this time in prayer. Worship team, you guys going out. Are they out? Oh, there they are. Right there. It's a miracle. There you are every head bowed every eye closed the Holy Spirit we welcome your presence you've been here with us all morning you're the teacher not me thank you for taking the truth of scripture and making it real Now, Holy Spirit, as we think, meditate, and listen in the next moments, please put your finger on areas where the enemy has just messed with us. He's just tormented us. Fear, lust, physical pain. And would you highlight that? Would you release your power in this room today? Would faith rise up in our hearts today and teach us to take authority? And for anyone in this room, anyone that's watching that's never received Christ, may they do that right now by saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior, and Lord, I submit to you and make me a new creation in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's just sit and listen for just a few minutes. The altar is open if you want to come and get on your face before the Lord. There's going to be intercessors on both sides who will pray with you if you want someone to agree with you. Someone to use their faith to help your faith. And then we'll sing, we'll worship with our final song.
1: Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watching.
2: Here's how the story ends. These are the words of Jesus, not Steve Pearson, not Bill Reeser, not anyone here. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? But he tags a condition to it. Listen very carefully. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Some of you are asking for healing, even claiming it, praying it, but you've got something in your heart against a brother or sister that you've never let go of. And it's time to close those accounts with other people. Amen? Here's the choice that Jesus gives us today as we wrap this up. You can either speak to your mountains or climb them. And God's not wired us to climb mountains. It'll wear you out. And many of us are climbing mountains instead of speaking to them. And God's commanded us to speak to those mountains by faith. And by faith, those mountains will be removed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Be encouraged today. Be encouraged today. He is able. He is faithful. Have faith in God. God bless you.